Thanks for choosing this podcast for the BJSM community. I'm Karim Khan, the Editor-in-Chief of BJSM, and it's a great privilege for me to be with Abhinav Bindra. He's a five-time Olympian and gold medalist, and I know you're really going to enjoy this chat with a tremendous global athlete. Abhinav, thanks so much for being on the BJSM podcast. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about a great moment in your wonderful sporting career. You've been kind enough to share some thoughts with us about uh, advice for the clinicians and your own medical story. And then you're doing some exciting things in India now. I mean, you're only 37, but you've achieved a ton of things already. So really looking forward to the chat, uh, Abhinav. So if we begin with your sporting career, starting as a very young athlete in international competition as a 10-metre rifle shooter, Tell us about the sport briefly for the clinicians who aren't super familiar with rifle shooting as a sport. Uh, Rifle shooting is a very interesting sport. It requires a great deal of stillness of both body and mind. It is about synchronizing both body and mind to work in tandem. Um, It's a lot to do do with balance and stability. And uh, it's very interesting because the human body is really built to move. Uh, and shooting, at least my event, is one which requires absolute stillness. So it's a little bit going against nature. So it is very challenging. Uh, it's very interesting how I got into the sport. As a little boy, uh, I actually disliked sport. Uh, I was fat, I was overweight, and I hated to move. The old, only talent that I have had as a young boy was to miss physical education classes at school. I tried every sport, uh, but was highly unsuccessful. And then one fine day I was introduced to the sport of shooting. A family friend introduced me to my first coach and I just went to have a try at it and I loved it. Uh, I loved it because to be successful in my sport, I just had to stand still. Uh, So that's how I got into it. But ironically, towards the end of my career, I spent more time doing fitness. I spent more time in the gym than actually on the shooting range. So even though it's a sport which is about stillness, it still requires the body to function uh, in a highly efficient way. Of course, the balance and stability part are huge, uh, but also cardiovascularly, it's, uh, it's challenging because when in competition, uh, you have all that adrenaline flowing and your heart rate is going to go up and then you have to stand absolutely still. So you also have to be pretty well trained. So um, the fat boy had to start running and that's exactly what I did and uh, just started working hard at it. Um, I fell in love with the process of the sport. Um, and that's pretty much the real reason what kept me going for 22 years. It's a fair share, it's a long time. And um, I just was in love with the process of my sport, the process of executing that, my technique and trying to be better every single day. So that was what was most fascinating. And can you share one highlight with our listeners of that 22 year career, Abhinav? Of course, there have been fair shares of failure, some sweet moments, of course, winning the world championships and uh, the Olympic games in the same time was was extremely special. But looking back at my career, looking back at my journey, um, how that I'm a little, I've exited my investment of sorts, I can look at it more dispassionately. My favorite moment in that was 22 years came one training day. It was the end of the year, it was the last day of the year, it was really cold and I was doing a fitness session and I had to do a hundred sit-ups. Uh, I had this trainer who, who, who was helping me and uh, 
um, I think my trainer was from Australia, in fact, and uh, at count 95, he miscounted and he said, you're done for the day, you're done for the year. Well done. And I said, no, I have five more to go. So that was something very special because, uh, you know, athletes live lives which are full of integrity. It's about working hard. It's about looking yourself in the mirror every single day and seeing um, that you've given it your best. And that's what really counts. It's the journey and what counts more than more than the destination. Of course, we all want to win. And of course, it's hugely important. But I think the process, the journey and uh, how you how you live that journey and how I personally pushed myself every single day to do it with honesty, to do it with determination, to be the best version of my own self uh, was something which was supremely important to me. And that really was the most important thing to me. Of course, I was competing against the whole world um, and I wanted to be the best. But in a way, I was also competing against my own self, my own limitations. And I just wanted to make sure that uh, I won in front of my own eyes and uh, I could only do achieve that uh, by asking me those, asking myself those really critical and tough questions every day that had I given it my best. And the days I gave it my best, I, I slept well. <laughs> That's very cool. Thank you for sharing that. And it reminds me of an Australian gold medalist who reported after winning her gold medal in the 400 metre hurdles that uh, she had this commitment to 100 push-ups and 100 um, sit-ups every day. And she didn't miss during those four years. And she won over the last fraction by one hundredth of a second running down her opponent. So uh, that seems something that... Uh, common among you elite athletes the no compromise which count i think uh, no detail is small enough to ignore and you know you try and try try and work on every element of performance be it physical be it mental be it technical be it your equipment um, so you have to bring everything together because i think the olympic games are so special and they are special because they come so infrequently they come once in four years and you have that one moment to give it your all and to be the best version of yourself and everything has to be timed well. And uh, you have to try and take every little vertical out of the equation. Uh, and the clinicians aim to help elite athletes like you with those fine details. And I read that in 2007 you had the back injury that essentially said you couldn't lift for a year and clearly a major injury. And uh, ultimately a year before you won the Olympic gold medal. So tell us about that process and from the point of view of how you can help a clinician with advice as well. I think that, that moment was a big learning for me. It was about, it was really the time of my career where I started working on my physical awareness and learning a little bit about my own body. Um, and I'd advise every athlete, in fact, firstly, to, to learn a little bit about your own body. You don't need to get into details as a doctor or, an, or a medical professional, but just have a basic keen idea about it because that can really help you understand where you're heading. And um, I think in an athlete's career, most sports become very asymmetrical in nature because you put more load on one side and shooting is exactly that with its posture. So the, my biggest learning was to, to really spend a lot of time after that injury to work on prevention to so i really started spending at least one hour every day for prehab just to rebalance my body a little bit you know i was in a certain position for five six hours a day uh, and that put an extra load on on one side so i had to work to get out of that 
pattern a little bit and, and to just to get the body in a in a correct way and in a correct uh, form uh, again which really started helping me to keep my body in a better shape for for injury prevention but also helped me prepare for my next day's session uh, training or competition in a more efficient way every sport requires a little bit of imbalance i mean to perform at the best at your best there will be certain imbalances and you can't take that away you can't be 100% symmetrical but um, it's a very fine line and uh, you have to constantly work on it and that one year when i was injured that's precisely what i did i did a lot of rehabilitation to 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 try and get some balance back into my posture into my muscles uh, and and stuff like that i started doing a lot of core work for example um, i did a lot of pilates and uh, again that physical awareness which uh, i i i really learned uh, ended up helping me tremendously for my performance because i started maintaining a daily log um, on how i felt my physio who i had a physio who was working with me on almost a daily basis also maintained a log from morning to evening how i woke up how my body felt uh, in the morning what sort of um, what sort of muscle stiffness or tightness i had and then would would work on 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 those elements before my my training session and then post my training session we would reassess and try and and get that balance back again uh, so that's just the advice i'd like to give is is firstly to the athletes to get that physical awareness for the experts for the clinicians i think it's just so important to work on prevention uh, even when nothing is wrong i think you need to pay a little bit of attention to it uh, because um, it will ultimately come into play at some stage of the athlete's career even though I, the athlete may be in top shape and winning everything you must keep the future in mind and uh, that's where um, that understanding from the expert can come in uh, very handy you mentioned about the imbalances and obviously the posture you were saying you have to adopt for 5 or 6 hours in rifle shooting and I'm naive of the sport so if you wanted to share some of the postures you're in and the exercises you did to reverse that it could be quite illuminating for our listeners so in rifle shooting you 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 your pelvis is in a little tilted position and the pelvis is the base of your whole structure and uh, it leads to a certain misalignment after a while because you're putting your pelvis into this Uh, tilted uh, sort of a uh, posture when you do that constantly then it always it, it starts to have a trickling effect it would it starts to affect your upper body it starts to affect even your knees so i think to just get the pelvis functioning well again is is absolutely critical because that's the base of everything another very important element is your neck because your neck is put in, into uh, a rotation and in quite an uncomfortable sort of a uh position while while shooting so it's so important to get that posture back into the neck to get the deep stabilizers firing again um in the neck and to get that tension of uh, your traps very important to get uh, your stabilizers functioning well your scapula in a in a in a in a, in a good a good a good position again because when you're shooting you're taking them off the right posture mechanically you know for the body you're taking it off but then you have to bring it back and and, and that's those are i think the pelvis um the neck um the scapula region are critical in, critical in it of course there's a lot of load on the lower back but if you get the pelvis right then 
the glutes firing and not the hamstrings being dominant, then it suddenly starts to take the load off your uh, lower back, for example. So uh, it's just so interesting because you may have a certain problem. You, you may feel discomfort in your lower back, for example, but the actual problem is uh, lying somewhere else completely. So it's important to keep that into consideration. And that's where the experts, the physios can play a really important role. Thank you so much, Abhinav. And one quick one on the cardiovascular system before we move on. My understanding from the gossip literature is that shooters can control their heart rates and get a shot off between heartbeats. Is that how it works? That's the rumor even I've heard. Uh, it's probably possible in training. Uh, and I think it's right that it you, you, you slow yourself down so much, uh, even your metabolism goes down, that you can probably do it. But when you're in competition, and suddenly from one moment to the other, you have all this adrenaline uh, which comes into play. It just, the heart wants to explode suddenly. <laughs> uh, and that's the feeling that you have. Uh, and then you have to be creative and you have to suddenly rely a lot on instincts and, and rely, find that courage from within because that, that comfort which you have in training when everything is so calm goes away. Uh, in training, I think it's possible to do. Uh, in competition, if you uh, in an Olympic final, no chance. I think my Olympic experiences, and I had competed in three Olympic finals, were the most violent experiences of my life uh, because I was, it was under so much duress, so much tension, and uh, there you have to find courage, it's determination, finding a way, accepting. Uh, I think acceptance is a huge thing because uh, you're not used to this uh, feeling and because it's so difficult to replicate this sudden controlled panic attack in, 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 a, in a comfortable training environment, impossible to do to recreate a competitive feel uh, and that you only face it in competition. So I think most athletes, you know, resist it because it's so it's uncomfortable. But, but as soon as you start accepting it, you start to work with it and you somehow find a way to find your skills back and find the right muscle tension because suddenly you have the heart beating uh, at a higher rate um, and you have more muscle tension. So breathing then plays a very critical role because you need to just take more time than normal uh, training uh, in a training environment to to calm things down a little bit so an extra breath or two uh, can really really help and i'm sure you remember the breathing around the shot that you took to win the gold medal in beijing can you share that with us because my reading was that it was uh, this shot or not against your opponent Yes, uh, we were all tied after 69 competition shots. It all depended on one singular shot. Uh, um, and my, it was, it was something that I trained for. We specifically trained going into the games for the last shot uh, because you have the crowd coming in, you know, the, whoever would shoot first, the, the crowd gets in, there's noise, there's applause. So you have to take that into consideration. And, and uh, my strategy was to be courage, courageous uh, and to really go for it. So um, I was very aggressive. I, I, was, I backed myself and I, I, I found my balance, found my stability and took the shot really quickly. And it was one of the best shots I've ever shot in my life. And uh, that was incredible. Congratulations.
And that speaks to the pressure. So we know that I'm talking to a five-time Olympian and your life is fantastic, but it's not the way for everyone. And so you've taken an active role with the IOC Athlete Commission. You're a businessman, entrepreneur as well. What can you share with our clinical audience about the mental pressures in elite sport? Of course, there are an immense amount of performance pressures. And I think traditionally a lot of work is done with athletes for mental performance, uh, but it's always been related to their performance and uh, not much to athlete well-being. And it's so important for everybody to understand that we have to first take into consideration athlete well-being. And when we do that, uh, when we take care of athlete mental well-being, the performance will follow. Uh, So uh, I think sometimes that is lost because there's also a lot of pressure on athletes to perform. Uh, There's also a lot of pressure on the entourage to perform because, you know, their jobs are dependent on success uh, of their athletes. So everybody's pushing to extreme levels. Uh, There is an athlete has to constantly deal with with, uh, failure, with success. There's constant competitive stress. There's stress from training because training also if you train a lot that also puts a lot of stress there's constant travel um, not enough time uh, to recover Um, there's you know you're in different time zones so sleep makes a big difference and and all these things add up and potentially athletes may have more triggers uh, for mental issues or, or disorders or symptoms maybe than regular folks because you know it's a very 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 focused life very focused on one element and often you know in an event where you're chasing excellence I think uh, you you tend to lose life balance and it is very challenging to actually maintain that balance because you know you become so focused on winning and it's natural that you become that ways but it's so important uh, to, to, to understand and take measures which would ensure that athlete well-being becomes the center of high performance. Um, and we can do that through education. We can do that through awareness and, and really inculcating those values at the grassroots level. Um, when you do that, when you inculcate the values and, and the knowledge and the information that maintaining this balance, maintaining life balance is critical towards performance to young kids you're able to mold their thinking uh, and and prevent i think um, that's that's absolutely critical with the ioc we've taken a very important step the athletes commission and the medical commission jointly are working on 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 a project specifically for mental health there's a consensus study on on, on mental health issues uh, post that a working group has been created which is a working on an awareness campaign we just kicked off on world mental health day post which we are working on a screening tool which will hopefully come out uh, sometimes next year which i think will be very useful for medical experts but also a, a separate screening tool uh, for for non-medical professionals as well to to raise red flags uh, that there could be potential issues that are, are happening. And then there's a toolkit being prepared for, athlete, for athletes for, and for sports organizations, which 
which would go around all the national Olympic committees and international federations. So that would be a very useful resource for sports organizations. And finally, to close the loop, the IOC is also working on a, on a diploma course for, for specifically for mental health, uh, so that we empower uh, the professionals uh, in this area. Um, and I think that that will go a long way in, 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 in trying to deal with this, with, with the issue of athlete mental health. Abhinav, thanks for that um, and good luck with the IOC projects on mental health. And to close out now, tell us about your current uh, work and future plans. It's pretty interesting that I'm a little bit in the medical field. I'm not a medical doctor. I have a degree in business. Uh, but, you know, in my sports career, I, I, I faced medical issues, orthopedics and neurological issues, and, and I could never find the resources needed back home. So after my career ended, I started opening uh, performance centers for sport, uh, which work on, um, on injury management, but also a lot to do with uh, um, high performance to enhance performance and a lot to do with prevent prevention of injuries. Uh, so I set up uh, five centers at the moment across uh, India using a lot of state-of-the-art technology um, which um, um, athletes have you have free access to. So that's the charitable arm of the enterprise, which is through the Abhinavindra Foundation, where we offer athletes STEAM scholarships. STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Analytics and Medicine. And we try and incorporate all of that into grassroots athlete development. Um, all these centers are also open to normal folks who may have some orthopedic issues or neurological issues of wanting to, um, you know, post-operative uh, rehab or, or prevention or pain management. So we get a lot of normal folks coming in and, and then they pay for the services. That's what makes the whole organization sustainable. Uh, congratulations and uh, I look forward to following that and with great interest. So as we close out, you've underscored the importance of prevention here, so thank you. And you mentioned that today at the IOC meeting on uh, consensus in injury surveillance and injury prevention again. So you'll be a fan of the IOC World Congress on Sports Injury and Illness Prevention, which will happen in Monaco in March 12 to 14 of 2020. I'm just going to say thank you for giving your time for the BJSM community. Thank you so much. I just registered for the Monaco conference, so I'll see you there. You've been listening to a BJSM podcast. If you enjoyed it, share it with your friends and follow us on our channels, including Twitter and Facebook. There are over 400 podcasts on the SoundCloud channel and via the app. And I hope you get a chance to have a physically active day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>